and welcome back to the huddle. Liam Santa Maria with you, and uh, we're a few days into the blitz. Eight games in the books, and a chance to get some first impressions from all of the NBL 22 teams. And I got my man Mark Worthington coming on to discuss four times All NBL first team, two-time Olympian, NBL champion, and uh, doing some some work behind the scenes for the Washington Wizards, which is interesting. We're going to get through all of that, his first impressions of the NBL team. So sit back, relax. Up next, Mark Worthington. Okay, Wertho is here. Uh, we're, uh, we're eight games, I think, into the Blitz. Uh, a little bit of a chance to kind of get a look at each team and um, seen a couple of teams only once, most teams twice. And where though, uh, you've been keeping a close eye on it? Yeah, I've watched, uh, watched every game today. It's, uh, it's preseason. Like, you don't read too much into it. You sort of see the potential of teams, of individuals. And um, from what we've seen so far, I think we're in for one hell of a season. What, uh, what's going on in WA? How is life over there? Life, life is good. Life is good. Um, yeah, but I've moved up to Perth. Uh, I even went to the Wildcats season launch the other day. Can you believe that they let me in the building? Um, but no, it, it's uh, life in WA is good. Um, and then obviously I'm, I'm excited to get back around in basketball circles again because it's been a couple of years. Well, we, we'll talk a little bit more about the Blitz and some early first impressions about each of these teams in a sec, but tell us a little bit about the work you're doing for the Wizards this season. Yeah, so essentially I'm their scout in Australia at the end of the day, and that was formed from a relationship with the GM, Tommy Shepard. Tommy was the head of player personnel at the Denver Nuggets when I was at Metro State, and Metro State opposite the Pepsi Centre. Tommy used to come over to our training sessions quite frequently. And then I started to see Tommy uh, at the World Champs and the Olympics, and we sort of just stayed in touch. And it was just a message here, a message there. And I uh, came to the start of the season, and uh, we were just sending our, our random, you know, yearly message to one another. And um, sort of asked if he had eyes in Australia, and he said that he, he didn't at the moment. And would I be interested? And I said, sure. It sounded like a an ideal platform to get back into the NBL and just, uh, you know, continue to look at what has been a growing platform over the last couple of years and and try and get more uh, names in front of people over in the States because uh, for every Josh Giddy and LaMelo Ball we've had, we've also had a Deshaun Tate and a Tory Craig. And I think that flies underneath the radar a little bit, that it's not always been about the next stars program, but it's also been our imports that have come over and then can plug into a rotation in an NBA roster. Yeah, right. Okay. And so, and I imagine also you're also talking about the Will Magnes and the Mitch Creeks and uh, these guys in, in those conversations with Tommy in the lead up to now and the, in the lead up to the start of the season. What, what what have been those kind of directions to you? I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of Usman Diang and Hugo Besson and Ariel Huckforty and these guys and a kind of a pretty consistent flow of reports back to them on how those guys are going. But have you guys talked about those other, uh, Robert Franks and, you know, these types of players who are coming to the league in an effort to try <laughs> to get back 
to the NBA and the potential of some, you know, some Aussie and local guys to, to make that jump? Look, there's not much that they don't know already. Uh, mm -hmm. They know the next stars. They, they know a few of the imports that are over here. I think it's too early to tell how they fit in or where they fit in or if they fit in to a rotation base. And so this season, it will be across the board. It's communication with GMs. It's communication with coaches. Um, it's using my eyes to see what I know about basketball and see if that fits and translate to an NBA game and then report back on it. So, um, like I said, as good as the Next Stars program has been, and we'll obviously keep a really close eye on that. Uh, we're also interested in the imports and seeing what they do this season because um, it's not always about numbers. And I think Deshaun and Tori have proven that. It's a skill set. And, and the way that they go about they, their business, they help their team in a certain way. Tori is known for his defense and his, uh, uh, his ability to stretch the floor now, which, you know, when he was playing with the Taipans and the Bullets, you wouldn't say that he was a knockdown shooter, but his corner three ball was quite nice now. And then Deshaun, he had all that energy and made, he made plays at the end of the day. And they weren't necessarily on the stat sheet but you could see that he was sort of the glue guy that brought everyone together. And so um, obviously we've got some great names in the league this year. I think there's a lot of people to keep our eye on. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out because I think there's going to be more eyeballs on the NBL than there ever has been before. And we've been able to get some first impressions on some of those, those young kids over the last few days. Um, big throwdown from Tog Digbo along the baseline for Brisbane was a nice moment. Um, I chatted with Ariel Huck-Porty after the Melbourne game the other day, and he feels confident he's going to be able to get out there for his first hit out in their next game. Um, they've been, he's had a little bit of a calf issue. Um, the interesting one though for me at the moment is Nikita Mikhailovsky, who has started preseason. I mean, it looks like he's in the Scott Rock doghouse right from the very get-go here. We're getting our very first impressions about everything Tasmania and the Jack Jumpers and their first win ever as a franchise last night was amazing. But, you know, you talk about how it's not always about the numbers. This kid is extremely talented. I'm pretty sure he worked out with Washington before pulling out of the draft process earlier this year. Um, but how he handles this start of the season, which is going to be difficult for him. Five minutes last night and pretty quickly yanked out of the game and didn't get back in there is going to be interesting. And I imagine there's a lot of those conversations kind of talking to Scott Roth after a game like last night and say, well, how, how is the kid handling not playing many minutes right out of the game? Yeah, look, Having played in the NBL and in the Blitz and all, and then these programs, I don't take much out of what I see. There's people being cagey, and obviously we're in a unique situation where a lot of the teams that are playing each other now are probably going to play each other in the first couple of rounds of the NBL season. Yeah. Um, I don't think these conversations, are, well, I know I'm not having these conversations yet with coaches because I want to see once it's started. Mm -hmm. and then get a feel of what the preseason was like, handling adversity, handling uh, 
adapting to change, moving to a different country, you know, what, what's he like around the teammates? What's he like uh, with his coaches? How hard does he work? Does he put in the extra work and stuff like that? Um, I guess a lot of that stuff will come uh, once the season starts, but you want to sort of see a body of work first. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure Scott Roth has his reasons as mm. to why. And, it, and to be fair on Scott, um, he's got more pressure on him than any other coach currently because they're in Tasmania. They're trying to build a brand, a style of play, getting that group to work together. Um, he's probably looking to win more now than any other club. Um, so what that says for the young fella, I don't know. Like I said, we'll wait to see the, the body of work before we judge where people sit and where they're at. And, you know, we probably get five games into the season, we might have a bit of a clearer picture. A couple of games in, though, um, big tick so far for Scott Roth and the Jack Jumpers. And when you talk about kind of style of play and how they're going to go about it, I think they've been really impressive over their first couple of preseason games. I love the energy and unselfishness that team's coming out and playing with. Now, they don't have a depth of talent that a lot of other teams have. You know, they've got those three imports. They're going to carry a big load. And then they've got some really cool other pieces. We haven't seen Will Magne yet, but guys like Jack McVeigh and, uh, you know, Clint Steindl, who had some good moments last night. Some, some nice pieces like that. And then some, some like meat and potato role players, you know, like Sam McDaniel and... Um, uh, Chris and, and Bearstow and these kind of guys. Um, but led by Josh Majette, who I think has been elite in these first couple of games in terms of just uh, running that team, um, there's an unselfishness and an energy that they're playing with, I think, that is just a huge thing. Now, they've got a little bit of a head start, right, because they've been together for longer than um, everyone else just in this preseason. But at the same time, they're not building on anything from year one year to the next, like Gorge is with his Hawks and, and, and Vico is after four years there in Melbourne and Simon Mitchell is from last season. So I, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, it was great to see him get that win last night. But I've been impressed with, you know, how they've sort of got things rolling to begin their very first preseason. Well, it starts and stops with Majed and Adams, really, for me. And those two have been very impressive in the first two games. Majed with his ability to control the game, the tempo that he plays at, really smart uh, little runners that he's got just underneath the elbow. But then mm -hmm. Adams has proven that not only can he be an athlete in this league already, but he's got that real scorer's mentality, which they need as a group mm -hmm. to carry that load. And the interesting one who we haven't seen is going to be Will Magne. He needs to be healthy. I said in a, in a tweet uh, yesterday that the bigs are back in the NBL and, you know, we've got guys that are putting up big numbers already. And if you look at the depth of the Jack Jumpers roster, it hinges heavily on Will Magne, A, being available, because then after he's gone down, then you're starting to look at your Fabian Krislovich as having to guard someone like a JLA, uh, Zoo, you know, the list, the list goes on, DJ. It's going to be a really tough uh, task for them. And seeing how many post-up plays, 
which I think has been probably been the most surprising thing in the, the, the blitz so far, is how many people are actually throwing the ball into the post. Um, he's got his work cut, uh, cut out for him to A, stay healthy, and B, be able to produce the numbers that we came to expect from him in the Brisbane colours and not what we saw in the Wildcats colours. Yeah, yeah, no, he's going to be absolutely massive for him. And he, he's the difference. I think I think we, you can get a good sense that Majette and Adams and Mikhail McIntosh are all good recruits, good imports, and they're going to be, um, you know, a good import trio that are going to be productive over the course of the season. But do they have that, that other guy, that marquee Aussie that they hope they hoped it was going to be Nick Kay, and then they pivoted, and they now hope is going to be Will Magnate. Um, is going to be huge. Majette for me, there's he reminds me a little bit of Jay Kidd in mm-hmm. terms of his influence on the way that the team plays. Um, he's he's a guy that they they when they pull it off the defensive board, they want to find him straight away. He plays with a real kind of high energy and a high tempo. But at the same time, because he's so unselfish, I feel like it's kind of, and he seems like a really good leader. I was chatting with Scott Roth this morning about their win last night. And he said, the cool thing about Majette is like, he could legit coach the team right now, which, which I think is awesome to have. And it seems like it's kind of having an influence across the team in terms of their ball movement and the unselfishness that they're playing with. And that's a great place to start from as a franchise, I think, as you're trying to make, you know, establish some foundations and a, and a culture and a style of play to, to have a guy like that come in and have that kind of influence to say, we're going to be unselfish. We're going to move the ball. We're going to play for each other. We're going to set each other up. We're going to take, pass up a good shot for a great shot. Perfect point guard for them to bring in and run their team. And I think along with that, Will Magnet brings a lob threat that now mm. makes him more difficult to guard once he gets two feet into the paint. Um, we haven't seen it in the preseason so far with the jack jumpers of that, you know, pick and roll sort of game with a with a five that can go above everyone else. And I think if they can incorporate that into the game, a la what we've seen with Machado and Cam over the last couple of years that made Machado really hard to guard. Do we play him for the pass? Do we play him for the, the jumper? Do we play him for the runner? I think that brings an extra level of importance to Will Magne and Maget's game going forward is having that lob threat there and available for him. But you're right, everything that he's done so far, you've got to be impressed with. Um, you, you like his tempo. You like you like them getting the ball out of bounds quickly and almost snatching it out of the referee's hands <laughs> yeah. to fire it up the court. It not only catches the op- opposition team, but probably the cameraman and and the commentators half the time as well. <laughs> like they're playing at that sort of pace. Yeah. Um, and we talked about Will Magne being their Australian, you know, stud. So much more importance goes on to Steindl not to go missing this year. He has to be consistent. We need to know what his worst is and his worst still needs to be able to produce for the Jack Jumpers this year for them to be in contention for finals this year. Yeah, I don't even think they're going to be that no matter, no matter what Clint does. Like, I, I just want them to be competitive, you know, and, have, and be like what they've been so far. They gave, they, they were with Brisbane for most of that first game. 
they got Cairns who look a little all over the place to, to begin preseason. But, you know, there's a bunch of teams that I think that they're going to have a really difficult time against all season long, especially on the road. But the signs are good early on that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be competitive enough to say, well, there might be one or two teams that finish below us. Look, I'm not going to count anyone out at the moment because if <laughs> I've learned anything over the years, we've counted out Cairns a couple of years ago. They couldn't make it and they almost mm. made it to a grand final. Like, who knows what's going to happen this season? So at this stage, I refuse to count out anyone because <laughs> you never know what happens in this league. Well, let's let's count one or two teams in from some early impressions. Like, who have you seen in these first eight games or so? And again, there's... You can't even judge Sydney at all because we haven't seen half of their team and the majority of their what's going to be their game night rotation. But have you seen anyone who you're saying, yep, I, they're very legit and uh, going to be really tough to beat all year long? I think the top two for me uh, have actually played against each other already and that's mm. Illawarra and Phoenix. Mm. Um, Phoenix... Obviously, they didn't have Mitch Creek in that game versus Illawarra, but Ruben Tarangi, I mean, if he can find that sort of form and play mm-hmm. like that, which I'm not expecting, but I think they said in commentary, like, they need to tell Ruben, if Mitch Creek is here, you play like that. If Mitch Creek is not here, you play like that because mm-hmm. he is a hell of a player when he does get into that mindset um, because he can get your buckets as well as mm-hmm. play defense and do all the scrappy things. Um, Broke off. So, so good to see him physically healthy, mentally healthy. He just looks like he's ready to tear this league apart this year. And if you can just snapshot the first 30 seconds of each game and see what Ryan Brokoff is going to be like this year, I think the Phoenix are really happy with the investment of, of Rowdy and what he's going to do. And then they've got the big fella in the middle. Who is just going to be nightmares for opposition bigs at the rim just because yep. his defensive presence and rim protection, along with his fantastic hands and the mm. ability to make plays on the fly, they've just become really, really dangerous. And they've had, they've had shooting. They've still got Glidden to come into this mix. Um, they've still got, they've got Munford that I think is finding his feet. And then you've mm-hmm. got... Dane Pineau, who's going to be coming off pretty much a year off to be able to um, back up the big fella. They've just got a really well-rounded roster mm. at the moment. Mm. I like I like what Simon Mitchell's done. I like the way that they're going about their business. And if preseason is anything to go by, they're probably the form team that you go, the Phoenix are probably hungry for a grand final berth this year. I agree. And we'll talk about Illawarra off the back of that in a minute. But um, no, you bang on. That was the best game that we've seen so far is then those two teams, you know, were it looked like a regular season game in many ways, although the rotations didn't resemble that. You know, Simon Mitchell didn't play Munford at all, basically in, in overtime um, when you know he would when the chips are on the table and... Um, Jessup and Harvey were sitting out at it during winning time, um, which which wouldn't happen. But you're right. Um, there were three 
at least three times when uh, Joe Chi forced a travel because guys just didn't want to shoot over him. Twice at the rim, once I think from Harry falling on the three-point line where he thought, oh, I've got some room to get this off. And then a little step forward from Joe Chi or an extending of the arm. And now he's like, there's indecision. He's going to be, he's going to have a monstrous impact at once. And I like the, like they're still working out their timing. You know, he's late to get to those on balls off, you know, a couple of uh, um, uh, reversals. And then it comes back to the top and it's Liapa or it's Adnam or it's Munford. And whereas you know, those, those guys are kind of standing and waiting for him to get there. And once they get that kind of timing right, and you can see some early signs of the timing that they've got, finding him as the role man and the like, highly skilled, incredible physical tools. He's going to have a huge impact. Um, Mitch Creek. Also on that, I like his adjustment to referees from game one to game two. That mm-hmm. speaks volumes within itself of the quick adjustment the reason he came to the nbl was for the physicality and so mm-hmm. he probably came out in that first game of like well i've just got to go beat everyone up and prove that i'm strong and tough and all that and he probably got caught up in a few of those in game one the adjustments he made on game two you don't need when you've got tools like that you don't need to try and win battles on the ground win them up in the air and it's a good leaf for matthew hodgson to take take note of because I think he has similar characteristics but tries to win the battle down ground level too often when he's a really good shot blocker just use your physical tools and your gift and meet people at the rim will you get dunked on every now and then maybe but the chances for someone like a Hodgie to go all right defensively who can I model my game off now well We've seen it in the first, well, the second game of the Blitz. That's who yeah, you want to name off. For sure. And and Duop Reith is going to need to make that adjustment. You know, he's used to, he's used to the wrestle <laughs> that takes place down low in, in the Euro League, and it's called differently here. Dali's going to have to make a little bit of that adjustment. He's had some struggles with the whistle in his first um, couple of outings. But, yeah, the, I mean, you talk about Brokoff, 18 three-point attempts over those first couple of games. And, and that's, that's not just a result of him having the confidence to let it fly. It's that he's got a little bit more space to get it off than he did in the Phoenix Colours for most of last season because he's fitter, he's faster. They're running a few more things for him because they've had some time to put some stuff in and... Um, all of that combined, he's more confident and he's quicker to those spots. Guys have, you know, just a little bit of an extra um, uh, structure to kind of get a piece of his man to get him open. He's going to pay huge dividends for them. And the other thing is Mitch Creek looks like, I mean, if I was, they asked me about, you know, who I'd pick for MVP a few weeks ago. I said Bryce Cotton because I felt like that was kind of the default response if you ask me if i was asked that today i would flip that to mitch creek because he is just as fit and strong as ever which says something because when you're talking about mitch creek and looks you know i mean he had a that tumultuous season last season with everything going on he was still all league second team um he's looks like he's coming in to this season with a vengeance 
And that's a good thing. Like you can you can tell last year, but it's mm. it's there. They they're playing for each other. Um, I think they might have the best depth in the league. I think they do. They do, and they've got. You talk about Glidden. They got another import coming in in a couple of days. Yeah, in the front court. So there's a lot of positive, positive signs for Phoenix and Simon Mitchell and Tommy Greer and what they've been able to do this off season. Um, I think they, for the most part, they've had the right pieces, and the biggest question is health, availability, mm-hmm. and if they those they have those two things. I think they'll be there at the pointy end of the season. All right, so let's talk about the Hawks then, because I reckon they're probably the next deepest team in the league. And I feel like the addition of, of Rathan Mays as the as a like a um, extra ball handler and playmaker, I thought he was actually pretty impressive in that first game. 13 points, seven assists, four steals, brought him off the bench. They started Tyler Harvey at, at the one. Um and then he has some minutes as well with, you know, running alongside Rathan Mays, Emmett Nah, DNP. Essentially, he looks like it's probably going to be out of the rotation in that regard. But um, Jessup in, looks fitter and stronger and com- more confident. Um, he had 13, I think, around 12 or 13 single-digit scoring games last season, Justinian Jessup, but from, I mean, it was one game, but just looking at the way he's moving, a la Brokoff, I'd be surprised if he has kind of more than five this season. Um, and as a result, you're right, they're along with the Phoenix, the kind of the two teams at the, you would say at the top of the power rankings at this point. Yeah, I, I like what they've done with their roster in the off season. Um, as much as I liked Simon last year on the defensive end, he didn't fit yeah. the spacing alongside a Harry Froling and an AJ Ogilvy. It sort of allowed teams to load up more on Justinian and onto Tyler Harvey. Now you bring in your two extra imports, mm-hmm. uh, one to take over uh, probably a backup point guard role to allow those two guys to get going uh, along with uh, Reith as well. And all of a sudden, you just get excited about the possibilities of what Illawarra can do, especially under Gorgon. And not that we've seen it yet, but I'll, I'll go on record that Harry Froling will go close to most improved this season at some stage, because if anyone's going to get something out of Harry, it's going to be Gorge. Um, and while he might be playing second fiddle to his brother in Sam, I can just see a huge leap coming for Harry at some stage of season where I'm like, we've always known that he's had potential. He sort of becomes the X factor of all this group, um, which is not a bad thing to have when you've got someone of that sort of skill set to come on and, you know, whether he's had the 20 points versus Bogut in the quarter when he was playing at Adelaide or or whatnot. We've seen glimpses of what the best Harry Froling looks like. He looks fitter than last year. He, you know, Gorge wouldn't let that fly by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like, and, and it's with a eye for the future that 
Illawarra just become a lot more dangerous if Harry gets going as well, because he now spreads the plot even further for that Illawarra Hawks team. Yeah, I'm pulling for him. I really want him to have a, a great season and a step and sort of wipe the memory of last season wasn't good. It wasn't, and he has, and I've mentioned this recently a little bit, he's jumped around a lot. You know, he, he flipped it up at college, came home early. This is his third NBL team, and it's his only his fourth season in the league. So it's a great spot for him to land with Gorge. By Townsville? He started. Well, true, 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 true. Um, but I'm not sure that the role is going to be big enough for him to be able to, to display enough of a leap from off, of, off the back of last season to get in that kind of conversation. But we'll see. Hopefully he plays himself into a situation where he's, once he gets out there, kind of a little bit like what happened with Tim Conrad late last season for the Hawks, where once he was on the floor, Gorge was finding it difficult to get him off. And that's the challenge for Harry this season to kind of create that type of situation. I think he probably gets pigeonholed behind Sam at the moment, but I can really see him being behind both Sam and Diop uh, more. So I don't think... I think he'll get more minutes than what people think he'll get, mm-hmm. uh, especially if he shows the ability to knock down a three um, and drag some of these five men out to the perimeter, which he is very good at doing. And he's uh, probably underrated in his playmaking ability off the dribble for a five man, uh, which I've, 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 we've all seen glimpses of. But like you said, you just want him to it all together this year and, and, and make it work and um, they do have a plethora of great names on that team mm. I think it's the people that we're not on the tip of our tongue that is going to make the difference between Illawarra winning a championship and not really the, the Isaac Whites these kind of guys if I know anything from Gorge uh, he will play multiple players He's not one to shorten a rotation and, you know, just let guys. It's the BJ Carters that come on in a grand final series and mm. knock down threes. It's, a, um, it's the Rowdy coming on and making a defensive play at the Sydney Kings. He's forever in his tenure with championship teams. I, you know, I'll talk about South Dragons. It was the Reese Carters coming off as a backup point guard. It was, uh, yeah, I was... We had so many Mika Vakonas, you know, that made plays. It was not never necessarily the stars have to shine, but it's always the guys behind the stars that elevated Gorge's team to the next level, I believe. Mm. Uh, Isaac White got on a little heater the other night. Yeah. And it was, well, quite... he was, <laughs> he's, a, he's a fantastic shooter. And I spoke to Gorge mm. about him last year and he said, just as good a shooter as Tyler Harvey. Just a good shooter. It's just ninjas. Maybe from range. Not from, he doesn't have from, to pull from, up the, from three from Jessup has. Right. Yeah. And like and catch and shoot off the move quite like Jessup does. And he certainly doesn't have the, the floater game that nobody has no, the floater but game. From from three, gorgeous right. like he's right there with like, And he's got a little chewed too, which I like. And it was quite funny on uh, at MSAC the other night because there was nobody there. 
as these, you know, these guys are competitors, right? And he's kind of hits a couple in a row and then he comes peeling off another one, catch and shoot, splash, turns his head as if to kind of like roar at the crowd. But there's like basically nobody there. So he eyeballs me like, what do you know about that? I'm, I'm, I'm on fire. And I'm like, okay, all right. Next game, Angus Glover hits a couple, turns around, eyeballs. I'm like, these guys are turning as if to see a big crowd and they're seeing like one dude and giving it to him. Vitamin water and eating his popcorn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice that. And uh, I mean, Angus Glover is another great story. And mm. Kudos for his persistence and hard work and resilience. But, Let's talk about him and the Kings now. Hawks yeah. are legit. Southeast Melbourne are legit. The Kings, as we said, we can't, you can't get much of a read on him, but you can get a read on Angus Glover. You can get a read on Xavier Cooks. And you can get a read on a little bit about what Chase Buford wants to do with this team and how he wants them to play. They're the most intriguing team in the NBL. They, they, I think they're going to be very good this year. Um, and a lot obviously depends on Adams and, and RJ Hunter and what they're able to bring to, obviously, we know their capabilities, but bringing it consistently in the NBL um, is going to be the question mark of where Sydney sit this season. Love the tempo. Love the Oof, tempo that they the play. The tempo out. is red hot. Oh, um, and just, you just grab and go off the defensive glass. Martin Cooks, license to push. Well, that's going to be the interesting one. Out of all the teams I saw, Martin and Cooks probably started their offense more than any other club outside of the traditional point guard role. Like, they just got it. And, and if the shot was there to be taken in the first four seconds, it was going up. No questions, no hesitation. They had a freedom. They had all those names out and still looked good. Looked yeah. really good. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they develop over the year. Obviously, uh, the maker guys as well. We haven't seen any of, of them so far and mm. what, what they potentially bring to it. Um, DJ, obviously coming off his Achilles, who was playing really good basketball when he went down last year. But Glover, um, Darrell Martin, Xavier Cooks. Xavier Cooks needs to take his game to the next level. He's going to have a huge season. Yeah. Huge season because that style there's a and it, what's cool is there's a few guys on that team whose games fit that style that Chase Buford's putting in place really well. It fits Xavier Cooks absolutely perfectly. He's going to be sort of Sean Marion in the seven seconds or less Suns this season. Stat sheet stuffing supreme, pushing, making plays. Um, it fit out. There's elements of it that fit Jarrell Martin. He likes to face up and cross over and make plays on bigger, slower guys. Um, and it fits Angus Glover beautifully in terms of being able to get out and push and, you know, use his speed and athleticism. What we haven't seen yet is how it fits, like you say, those other guys. We know, we know it fits Jalen Adams from his time under Chase Buford at, at Wisconsin, but does it suit RJ Hunter? Does it suit Makura, Matua Maker? 
these guys, that's going to be interesting to see. But Cooks is going to have a massive season. He needs to be able to knock down the three at a more consistent rate. And I think that's his evolution and progression in basketball. I think I love everything else that he does. I love his rebounding ability. I love his defense. I love his playmaking ability. The only thing that really yeah. has question mark over him is knocking down a three ball consistently. Um, whether he can do that this year or not, I think we'll speak volumes of where the Kings go because yeah. he adds that extra. He, he is, he seems like the, the glue guy to all of it. And it's hard to say that without seeing the other ones, but just knowing the way that he's played the last couple of years and his capabilities, um, he brings another dimension to the NBL that not many other teams can actually, if you go through every roster and what their four men look like, mm -hmm. you go, all right, Xavier's probably near the top of that list, uh, especially in the style of play that they're playing this year. Along it's probably Daniel Johnson being the other one. Um, man, it's a loaded position. Loaded right across the league. And it's cool because it's loaded. It's a good mix of, you know, when, when, when it was a point guards league, 100% a few years back, it was a, just, and there was a season when it was a small forwards league, but they were all imports. Yeah. Whereas the cool thing about the power forwards this season is it's an interesting mix. You know, Cooks in Sydney, Mitch Creek at Southeast Melbourne, Finn Delaney, Robert Franks is going to be elite, Daniel Johnson, um, Sam Froling. Uh, it's, um, you know, when Jack White gets back for Melbourne United. That's a whole nother conversation once we get to United about Jack White. Um, but yeah, I, going back to Xavier, I, I really like what he's doing, but he, he needs to knock down the three ball. If he was knocking down the three ball at last, he would have been, he'd be in the NBA or he'd be getting a, you know, big money like Brock Modem in, in the EuroLeague right now. It's, and it's, it's frustrating because he has at times, like when he was in Germany, he had that, yeah, he shot pretty well. He made that Boomers team, which he didn't end up playing for because he got hurt because he was doing all those things that you're talking about. Plus he was knocking down the open look from long range at that camp. And they were like, well, we've got we to pick this guy because if he's hitting that shot, he's a, he's a world-class player. And it reminds, me of, it reminds me of Mitch Creek at Adelaide where it was the only thing missing yeah. and it's not missing for him anymore. No. Unfortunately, he's just that, you know, he's a little bit, he's not getting those NBA looks right now because he's not 23 or 24, he's 27 or whatever he is. But you're right. If, if that, if he can improve that to even just be low to mid thirties, just enough to keep the defense honest and keep his confidence sky high and make guys have to run at him when he flares to the corner and it kicks out to him changes everything for his game and you're right would have a huge impact for the Kings. Yeah, I'd watch pretty closely to see how he was taking his threes yeah he wasn't shy like mm -hmm. that that's the good thing you couldn't you could see that there was no trepidation in him shooting he got it and he had no qualms about it, it was it was up you know um and sometimes it's just like the smallest detail can change everything in a shot. And maybe 
more time with Chase, you know, understanding what it takes to be a great shooter, you know, or a consistent shooter, that might be the difference this year. So do you know what? I would love for I would love to get about midway through the season and he is knocking it down at a pretty good rate. And we hear about the influence of Daniel Kickett mm. in the coaching staff to say that would, you know what I mean? I would love to hear that, that Kicks has been spending time with him before and after practice. Maybe they made a slight adjustment um, because yeah, you're right. He's confident and you can just, he knocked one down in the corner the other day at MSAT right in front of me and, it, it, he didn't put his hands up and like thank the Lord, but he was mumbling under his breath, like finally, you know, and you know, you can sense that he feels it too. Like, oh my God, if I can knock a, this down at a more consistent rate, it's just going to open up a dominant season for me. I imagine kicks would have been like jury, just showing people how to knock them down and just saying, it's just that simple. It's just, <laughs> just that simple. Just do it. Just, just do it like this. It's just that simple. <laughs> I can imagine yeah. that. I'm sure Kicks will have a profound influence on that group. Someone had recently played with uh, some of those guys and obviously one of the best shooters the league's ever had. And mm. um, Fleur McIntyre as well. I think that's another really good story about her journey to, to get to Sydney and a really good people person. Um, it's going to be interesting to see her role play out throughout the season as well. Um, just quickly, you know, who else has been kind of fun is Bawali Bales. Yeah, I've absolutely. loved his energy, man. And he's got some swag. Fearless. Absolutely fearless. And really enjoyed not only the offensive show, but the intent on defense, like crawling up into people as well. And I guess um, while we've got a few of these names out, he's also auditioning to say, like, I deserve minutes and, and a bit of PT, you know, when mm -hmm. season comes around, I'm not a liability uh, and been far from it uh, so far to start the season. Been really impressed by the young man and how he's uh, gone about his business so far in the early days of his NBL career. Uh, let's quickly touch on Melbourne. Um, my key point I want to make about Melbourne is I've seen nothing so far to change my mind that they're a finals team. This is like what Perth have been over a period of time. Melbourne under Vickerman with Chris Golding. They have the infrastructure in place. Yes, they don't have anywhere near the depth of talent that they had, have had previously. And they don't have that guy like they had last season who, you know, was an MVP candidate and was a guy we all season long we all felt like should have been in the NBA. They don't have that but Joe Lawala-Chul has had the game of the tournament so far and has showed some really exciting signs and I just think with, with, with Daly and with Golding and with Shayili and Mason Peatling and Joe I think they've just got the pieces and with under the lead, Melbourne United don't miss the finals with with Vickerman as the head coach I've seen a few people writing them off but I've seen nothing so far to say they're not going to be there Obviously, they've probably got the most uh, experience across the board, whether that be a Delhi, a Bubbles, um, a Barlow. You know, they've definitely got the guys there. We have seen probably the game of the tournament under JLA, um, mm -hmm. but he didn't back it up very well. And I guess that's going to be his challenge is 
if you're now the the threat or the guy yeah. in the inside. Um, we know you want to shoot it. We know you want to score. Um, it's when he starts to get double teamed or defenses are different around him. And how does he pass out of actions? Uh, that's really going to see how his evolution of his game is going to go this year. But really like the start of his blitz and how he went about it. Jack White. I think a lot, and it's it's hard to say, like, how much are we going to, like, he, we've seen uh, photos of him dunking at practice and all that. His defence before his injury, you would have had to put him in the top three defenders of the league at that stage. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. His ability to block shots at the rim, mm. sit down, play one-on-one defence. I think he has a, a massive influence on the group. But then you've got people like Delhi, uh, Agata, uh, Shay Ely guarding the perimeter. All of a sudden, they become a lot more scary as a defensive team. That under Dean Vickerman, we know if he gets it right with his players, with the defense that he has at his disposal this year, I think they become a very, very tough to beat and to score on. We know that they can put points on the board. Anytime that you've got a Chris Golding on the team or a, a Joe Luella Chul, we know that they're going to score. Um, are they as good as the Phoenix and Illawarra at this stage? Not at this stage. No. But, but what we do know of Dean Vickerman is he always does a progressive build throughout the season. Yeah. Are they going to get beat early? Yes. They're going to have some losses early. Will we see them throughout the year get better as a defensive unit? No doubt. We've seen that year in, year out under Dean Vickman. That's his MO. Um, I think a lot goes on Jack White and holding down that four spot once he's healthy. Yeah. Um, speaking with him the other night, he's eyeing Christmas. He's yeah. eyeing Christmas as a return, which is which is cool, around the same time as, as DJ Vasiljevic wants to get back as well. So that's that's going to be a huge Christmas present for you know the fans of those teams if those guys can get back around then. Uh, Agata, Jury's maybe still a little out on him at the moment. Of course, only just uh, the, the two hitouts. Um, but I like his activity. You know, the seven combined steals and blocks in his last game and he started to kind of find his spots a little bit more offensively. Um, Toughest defensive, like toughest team to play against as a point guard across the league. You know, 40 minutes of Delhi and Shaili, like forget about it, which is why, and we'll talk about Peyton Seaver and the Breakers in a minute, um, but going up against those two guys is going to be really, really tough. I feel like, um, oh, and the other one worth mentioning is Brad Muley. Is he... You know, people like rolled their eyes at that signing because he's going to turn 37 midway through this season. And they've seen over the last couple of years, Newell's in Sydney and it's been, okay, well, okay, slow. he's been an amazing player over the course of a really long career. It's his 18th year as a pro, but was tailing off. But he's in, I mean, I'm going to say he's in the best shape he's been in for like four or five years. I'm going to say since... He killed it for the Kings in 16, 17, and then he went to Greece 
And then he he's in the best shape he's been in since then, since coming back from Greece. And that's going to be, I think, helpful for them off the bench. I think it's just another layer of depth to what they already have. Um, yeah, he, 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 interesting signing. I think, a lot, like you said, a lot of people rolled their eyes. Um, talking to Newell's just briefly, you can tell the passion's still there. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's the main thing. Like, he, he wants to win a championship, plain and simple. So why not join the defending champs? Um, yeah, they, they, uh, I'm not taking much out of what we haven't seen from Agata yet. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking from experience, when you come off a campaign and then you relocate to a new location, Mm. There, there is this letdown sort of sigh moment. I think we, we've seen with some of the guys in the NBA this year that have probably struggled to get off the mark this season. Uh, we've been had an interrupted preseason, probably the most interrupted preseason we've ever had in the NBL with coaches rocking up 48 hours before a preseason <laughs> game and, and players like sporadically coming in and teams training with like eight guys for a couple of months and then yeah. you know I don't read too much into it I know you know what you know and you know that he shot the ball really well when they beat team USA in the mm-hmm. the, the uh, lead up to the Olympics I think he's going to be a very valuable weapon to United um, throughout the season uh, because he can do it on both ends of the court so yeah while, while I didn't see much in the blitz, I sort of expect him to come out and how Dean Vickerman plays him is another thing and how he handles it because we know that Dean doesn't have an issue putting an import off coming off the bench and plugging in a role player like he did with uh, Sam McDaniels last year and you know get a starting spot and then having that spark off the bench. Um, yeah, it's going to make for an interesting year. Yeah, that will be interesting because he has some guys that he could do that with. You know, he could do that with Dion Brewster for yeah. sure. He could do that with Newells if he felt that way and go Delhi, Golding, one of those guys, Pete Ling, Jack White when he comes back and JLA. Um, so they've got some pieces to move around. We, we only saw New Zealand briefly. We're going to see him again tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I'm worried about Peyton Siever has been an incredible player for a long period of time overseas and then has come to the league with big raps. And I've I've said this is a guy that comes in with all NBL first team kind of talent. Um, And it's one game and he was 0 for 8 and he was playing against Daly and Shaley and that's really tough. But this is a guy who has had um, a bunch of injuries over the course of, let's say, his last sort of three or four or five years. And he's, he's dealing with a bit of a calf issue right now. We saw a breakaway play where he had, you know, he was coming down and he just didn't have the pop on the finish. He didn't look like he wanted to kind of push off that left leg that he's having some troubles with. Now, is that just going to be something that is going to get right and then he'll be up and going and become the patent receiver that we expect? Or... Is that 
the kind of start of a season and an interrupted preparation that impacts heavily in terms of what you can provide for the team. That I think is the, the number one absolute thing to watch with New Zealand right now. Let's just back his pedigree and what, what he's done. I don't need to say anything from him in the preseason. He looked. You just need to see he's right, right though. Yeah. You can see that he wasn't right. You can see he yeah. struck in that game. Um, just, just putting him, wrap him up. Let's just get him ready because preseason games, yes, you want to get some sort of fluidity in how you're going to play and with who you play with and how you're going to play. Um, let's just see McDowell White. Just, just put him in there. Let's get the other guys comfortable. Let's, let's. They've got, they've got an interesting team this year, and a lot rides on their next stars and what we can get out of them this year. Um, obviously, they're both highly touted um, in Usman and and Hugo Basson. Um, but yeah, it, I. I I, I have the same concern as you with yeah. Silver, um, but I'm, I don't I don't need to see anything of him in the preseason. I want to see once we get to round one, let's see get that little bit of pop that he lacked in that game. And like you said, it's probably not the best game if you do have a calf injury to come in and you've got to play against Delhi and Shaili for forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, so he goes up on the top of the Christmas list. No. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether he suits up tomorrow night, you know, whether they just put him on ice and, and do that and sort of give him some extra time for treatment or they roll him back out against Sydney, Fawali Bales, Angus Glover, these young guys that are going to crawl in. Uh, Hugo Besson's nice. Like, mm-hmm. he's not kind of like, he's going to be inconsistent because he's young, but he's, uh, he's, a, he's like must-watch TV because anything could happen at any time with him. And Usman Dieng for me is a project it's a you ever like they need to be patient he needs to be patient the fans need to be patient the scouts like you need to be patient because like he's so young and so raw but also so talented and loaded with potential um it's going to be more about like what happens with him in the second half of the year for me because it's going to be a bit of a process glimpses in that first game and you're like yeah, you, you see it. You, you know the inconsistency is going to be there, 100%. And that might be New Zealand's season is yeah. the inconsistency of riding the wave of the young fellas. One game, they're, they're going and you're like, they look amazing. And the next game, you, you, you don't see them as much and you wonder where they've gone. And I guess... We see this from time to time with young players that have gone through. Obviously, we've been very lucky to see the likes of Lamello, even though it was sporadically during his season with Illawarra and saw Josh uh, play pretty much a, a full season very well um, without you know, dominating the scoreboard, but did everything to help his team or put his team in a position to, to at least win. Um, I'm not expecting anything like that from these two, but I am expecting to see those glimpses that you go, all right, future projects. can definitely see the potential. Usman has it in spades, I believe. 
Um, but it's going to be getting used to the physicality, getting used to playing against men and getting used to, you know, saying, like I said before, what does your worst game look like in the NBL and what do you provide to the team? Um, and you're right. The second half of the season will tell us a lot about where the New Zealand breakers are um, on how the young guys go. Speaking of worst games of the season, I'm hoping that was the worst game of, of, of the tight band season last night that, 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 that they got it over and done with. I'm hoping it was the worst game for Adam Ford. What, what did you make of him shoving his assistant on the sideline there, getting the tee for coming out on the floor? That was a little ugly. Frustrated. I mean, I like seeing coaches with emotion. And sometimes, uh, you know, those frustrations boil over. I, look, I've seen, I've seen and been witness to many an ugly preseason game before in my life. <laughs> I've seen worse than what I saw yesterday with Cairns. Mm-hmm. Cairns uh, becomes interesting with Machado without having a lob threat this mm-hmm. year. Um, Zimmerman's not playing above the ring like we've seen the last couple of years and the highlights that we've become accustomed to over the last couple of years. So I think Machado has to slightly change his game um, yeah. around. Um, and He's then, going to be productive, though, Zimmerman, I think. Once he gets in better shape, works his way into to, to the season, I think he's, I mean, he's already had a couple of double-doubles. I think he's going to be productive. Yeah. I, he's I, unorthodox. I, yes. But he's good. Maybe it's unorthodox because we've seen the athletic type in Cairns for the last uh, couple of years and now we're seeing someone um, someone who's more back to the basket and Mm -hmm. you know between himself and Nate Jawa obviously it's a big load to carry in that Um, and then you look across the board like who's that foreman is it Majuk Deng is it Majuk Deng and then you talk about all the four men that are in the league this year and how does Majuk Den uh, guard? Yeah, it's Majuk Deng and Keanu Pinder. Yeah. So, and Keanu Pinder might be the lob threat this year for Machado. Um, if, if we see it, but from the first couple of games, he wants to play on the perimeter a bit more. Um, yeah, those two I, spots are huge. Majuk Deng, Kawatnoi's been ice cold. Mm-hmm. Ice cold was he on two of 19 from the field over these first couple of games. Those two are so key for them. Zimmerman, I think, is going to be good. He's going to be different, like you say. He's going to be good. Machado is going to be good. McCall. I think Tajir McCall is going to be really good yeah. for them. They missed him massively last night. But those two, Noy and Majuk Deng, for me, hold the key to this team. I think there's big questions that can. Um, I like Adam Ford as a coach. I really do. I, I, I think he will get the best out of this group. But once again, it looked ugly, but like I, I don't think we'll see that consistently from the tight bands this year. I think they're going to have their trouble um, with a lack of depth, but I think that Adam Ford will get them to play at a good level. And I think that all surrounds McCall and the way that he goes about his business on the defensive end. 
two teams we didn't touch on, Adelaide and Brisbane. Um, two kind and of wild Perth. cards. Oh, and Perth, of course. Um, Adelaide and Brisbane for me are kind of like wild card teams. You know, like they have they have the potential to be kind of interesting this season. Um, got some high level talent on on each of those teams. Brand new coaches, Perth as well. Brand new coach. Um, let's leave them. We've gone a long time. There's a lot to break down with all of those because it was really interesting as well last night with Perth getting a look at what Bryce Cotton looks like in a non kind of flex situation. And there's a, there's a lot to talk about there, but let's circle back and, 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 and get into these teams a little bit more in a little bit, because, um, you know, we've, we've deep dived on, on a couple of others, but what, what, what's one thing you, you've got your eye on over the last, just to finish off over the next week and a half of the blitz in advance of the season that, that you, you tracking as we close out the blitz. Um, well, once again, I don't take a whole lot out of the blitz. You sort of back the coaches that you sort of know and you back being in that position of playing time, rotation, stuff like that. I think we need to take a look at the next stars across the board um, and taking another step forward. I think everything's got to be a progression for them this year. Uh, out of all the next stars who aren't a next star, I think Luke Travers becomes the most interesting mm-hmm. person out He's not on a draft board at the moment. He's not. He made names. Uh, made himself a name at the end of the final series last year. Interesting that they've got him as a backup point guard at times this year at his height and his length. Um, so to say, he didn't have his finest game yesterday. But I want to see all of these next stars probably work themselves probably more minutes into the rotation, see where they fit in, see how they can get a shot, you know, all that sort of stuff um, and how that progresses because we, we, we're, we're fortunate. We've got a plethora of talent in the NBL this season and um, it's going to be enjoyable just to watch their progression uh, and see where they go in the next, next uh, couple of months. For sure, man. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for jumping on. Let's, let's do this again.